together from remote galaxies are the most sinister villains of all time. The Legion of Dudes. Dude. His dudeness. Duder. El Duderino. Dude. Dude. Dedicated to a single objective, the conquest of the universe. This time you start it. Whatever you say, web it. It's the Legion of Dudes podcast. And now, here's the dudes. In a time and space divide. But how would the universe survive? Greetings and salutations from the Legion of Dudes podcast. And this week on Legion of Dudes, we're going to be discussing our favorite cartoons, uh, past, present, and future. Joining me this evening in the live of the discussion is uh, Mr. Ken Morgan. Hey, how you doing? And Mr. Russell Latham. Howdy, howdy. Uh, is it still swelteringly hot in Texas, Russell? Yeah, it's, it's still over 100 degrees out at 8 o'clock at night on a Sunday. Nice. Yeah, it, it barely made 75 here today. It was kind of chilly swim on the 4th of July, although I will say someone knew the Legion of Dudes is recording tonight, so they are going to have fireworks in our honor tonight. So if you hear any explosions in the background, that's the fireworks going off for us. Awesome. Nice. As long as things get blown up, that's good. <laughs> so uh, since we have our, uh, we're going to be setting aside our regular uh, dissection of the best in graphic novel art form to uh, talk about cartoons and animation and how they affect us and how you know they affect us um, they influenced us as kids on Saturday mornings uh, some of our favorites from uh, from childhood and some of our favorites now you know just gonna be basically a tune explosion as it were for the three of us you know just kind of kicking around some ideas we also have uh, some voicemails from, from some very special uh, guest stars if I'm not mistaken we got a couple yeah can do that we have a couple from Sean want to ask all of our loyal listeners why the heck we haven't had one video message yet on our Facebook group for our upcoming episode 50. I think I know why though you're all planning on actually being there live which is, which is perfectly fine. Uh, but I was remiss in my duties in mentioning episode 50. I'm very sorry. <laughs> I, uh, right. I've been looking at some of the questions they've been racking up for us and uh, on the on the forums as well. I know we haven't gotten any video responses, but the forums have uh, started lighting up with some great questions for yeah. us for our episode. There are, 50, some, so. there are some great questions, and I'm looking forward to answering. There's some hard ones some in really there, too. Some really tough ones. Some really tough ones. Yeah. But uh, uh, and join us on uh, live on Stick'em uh, for our episode 50 extravaganza. Oh, it's August 2nd, isn't it? Correct. Awesome. I'm glad I got the right date for a change. <laughs> you can join us in our Stick'em room uh, live on video. You can uh, drop off some questions for us in the forums on the comicforums.com. Or you can call us on our voicemail line, which is 516-468-7912. Please leave us uh, questions. And also, like Ken was saying, you can leave us a video uh, on our Facebook. How does one do that, Ken? One does that by uh, going to Facebook and just going up to your search box and typing in Legion of Dudes if you're not already a, a fan of or a member of our group. And uh, RSVP to the uh, Episode 50 live recording, The Dudes Turn 50. And uh, you can go to their video section there and just click Add Video and just using your webcam record just a quick message to us. And we will 
play that message into our feed so everyone watching live will be able to see and hear you, which is now to think about the other reason why we probably don't have any. And remember, for episode 50, our fans, everybody who uh, contributes a question or a voicemail or a video mail, uh, to episode 50 is eligible to win one of our valuable prizes. And another way to win one of our valuable prizes is to join us live during recording. We'll ask you a trivia question. You get that question right. You also win valuable prizes. We have a way uh, giant buttload of prizes from Top Cow, uh, Magnolia Entertainment, uh, Top Shelf Comics. Zenoscope. Zenoscope. Thanks, Russ. And uh, among among other uh, surprises that we don't want to give away right now. Definitely the prize packages are are totally worth it. We have uh, a giant truckload of prizes. So please keep the questions coming. Keep the messages coming. And join us live August 2nd for Legion of Dudes, episode 50. You know, I've got one of our prizes here. It's still in the shrink wrap, and I'm telling you guys, it's all I can do to not open it up and read it myself uh, before I pass it <laughs> on to you. But I'm going to leave it pristine for you. Should I tell them what it is or let them, let them find out later? I think well, we could keep the suspense them. going. Keep it going? Okay. All right. We'll keep the suspense going. But let me tell you, it's, 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 it's a little heavy. It's not a lot heavy, but it's heavy. It's freaking swear is what it is. Yeah. So that's all I think. That's all we have to say about that, right? August 2nd, episode 50. Valuable prizes. Leave us some question or a message. Uh, yeah, nine o'clock Eastern. Stick them. Just go to Eastern. just go to live.legionofdudes.com or just stickem.com slash Legion of Dudes, and you'll find us. I know at least on my end there will be a lot of adult beverages consumed. Oh, so. there'll be some on my end, I'm sure. In fact, there's one right now. <laughs> Likewise. Okay, so let's get to the topic at hand for tonight: animation, cartoons, uh, Saturday morning cartoons. I just wanted to say that. Uh, you know, real quickly, uh, cartoons, the, uh, the original uh, 1976 Super Friends cartoon and reruns of the Filmation Justice League of America cartoons from the 60s were what really got me into comics. I mean, I was a very small child. I, I watched, uh, you know, Super Friends and then would, uh, you know, go to the store and see the comic book that said, here are TV Super Friends, and that was JLA, which is one of the, you know, the first comics I ever bought as a child. So cartoons were actually like my gateway drug into comics. What about you guys? Uh, were you always fans of cartoons early on, or something you came to later, or superhero cartoons uh, as kids? No, I was definitely the oh, same, yeah. same as you. I was watching Super Friends, and uh, the 60s Spider-Man cartoon was great. Even even as a child, though, I couldn't figure out how he was able to swing without his webs attaching to anything, and how he always seemed to kind of like, when he would swing, he'd move along the buildings, but his webs would stay the same position. You, you wouldn't see him actually swinging. So even as a child, I questioned that. But uh, you know, watching that stuff, watching some of the old uh, best, like, best theme song ever, by the oh, way. Oh, uh, no, yeah. no question. Yeah. You know, and even to this day, like I, I still remember like the Captain America song and the uh, and Thor's you know song, which we played in our Thor episode. You know, I remember all those cartoons. Uh, Iron yes, Man, Iron Man, some more fondly than others, but there were some really uh, just some fun stuff out there. You know, I mean, my only live-action superheroes at that point was, like, the Batman, Adam West series, or, you know, even the, uh, at this point, it's terrible, but the uh, Amazing Spider-Man live-action stuff, but they didn't quite capture what I remember. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, well, Nicholas Hammond. Where oh, are you now? indeed. You know, but they just didn't capture my imagination, like, like the cartoons, of course, would. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat with you guys. That's from as, as long back as I can remember getting up on Saturday mornings and watching TV. It was always cartoons, and even during the week, and it was it was mainly you know the ones we've all mentioned, the Super Friends, the '60s Spider-Man. Those were the early ones, and then the reruns of the of the '60s Captain America, Thor, Iron Man. You know the the whole Avengers lineup stuff 
watching all all that as a kid, and then just going from there. So so those were pretty much watched it all back then. I used to love the uh, the the filmation. Uh, there was a guy in um, uh, Cleveland. Uh, when I was a small child growing up, named Superhost, and uh, he was like your general Saturday morning, afternoon, you know, cartoon and monster movie host. I know in Pittsburgh they have uh, Chili Billy and uh, Zachary from the New York area or whatever. But this guy dressed up kind of like Alfred E. Newman in a, in a Superman suit, and uh, he would start the, his show with like Star Blazers, and then uh, go right into these '60s uh, filmation uh, Superman and uh, Teen Titans and uh, the Flash. Green Lantern cartoons. And I remember it really distinctly because Superman had this. It was great when he when he was Clark Kent. His voice was way up here, and they would something would happen. He would go to the broom closet and be like, "This looks like a job for Superman." You know, like <laughs> you know, two octaves, like in the time he switched from Clark Kent to Superman. But um, that was my first exposure to those characters, and uh, I think that's why I have such a, an attachment to them today. And really, what was funny is that when I'd gotten out of comics for a while, what really brought me back in later was the uh, the Batman animated series. The, you know, the Bruce Timm and, uh, and, and Paul Dini Batman. That brought me back into the hobby. So not only did it get me in when I was a child, it brought me back in you know, later as an adult. Yeah, me too. I think this Batman was... I, I always kind of watched it to a degree, uh, but I think the Batman, anim- the animated series, like you're saying, is what really got me back in. Because I remember I was in college at the time, and... Uh, I also remember it being a weekday afternoon show, not just a Saturday morning show at first. Because I remember going like yeah. 4 o'clock in the afternoon um, after classes, we'd all go to the one guy's apartment and we'd watch it. Loved it. Loved it. I mean, it was better than the last movie was. Not saying a lot, though. Well, no, true. <laughs> I, I imagine not. Yeah, yeah. I, but I, like you guys as well, I have fond memories of the 60s, you know, reruns of the 60s Spider-Man. And that was my first real, uh, that and those cartoons that you're talking about where they actually took the the Kirby art and just kind of did cutouts with it, you know, with the animation, very limited. But that was my first exposure to Marvel Universe as well. And um, the thing that really bothers me now, and and Sean Pryor brought it up once in in a discussion that we had, and uh, I know we're going to have a voicemail from him on the subject in a little while, is that now there really is no Saturday morning cartoon uh, lineup the way there was back in the day. And it's it's mainly from me on the segmentation of of the cable market, I would say. Um, I mean, you have a cartoon network now. You have several. You, know, you have Nicktoons. You know, they're offering cartoons 24 hours a day for kids. Yeah, and that's it. Like, like my kids have no shortage of cartoons to watch between you know, Disney XD and Nickelodeon and, and Cartoon Network, what you're saying. But there's just something about getting up 6 o'clock, grabbing a bowl of cereal, getting in your pajamas, watching cartoons from you know 6 a.m. straight through until like, you know, 10 o'clock when your parents kick you out of the house. And you just don't have anymore because it's they're on all the time so there's nothing special about that time anymore nothing made me angrier as a kid if i slept till like 7 40 or something like that and missed the super friends at seven o'clock in the morning or right. you know whatever crazy hour they came on I, I was always just so so ticked off me and my brother both if we if we slept in a little bit and missed you know one of those the, the pre, it seemed like the premium cartoons were always on either really early or really late you know, it was either the 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock hour, or like the 10 to 11 o'clock hour. Totally. And uh, I remember uh, there would also be a lot of times on the um, the Friday night before, uh, you know, when they would premiere all the new cartoons, they would have a special. Yeah, on, uh, I remember that. You know, in prime time. And they would, you know, here's the preview all the new cartoons coming out on Saturday morning on CBS this year, you know. And I remember that would be the first. I remember the, uh, the, old, uh, the Tarzan cartoon that was on CBS. Uh, that was the first time I ever saw that, and uh, you know that would be a huge deal. All the kids, you know, we would all be like gathered around the TV. What, what are they going to have? What are they going to do? You know, 
And then we'd be all hyped up, you know, for the next morning to have our, like Ken said, giant bowl of sugar cereal and um, yep. sitting there transfixed. I mean, and as much as we, you know, we talk about the superhero cartoons or whatever, I, I really have to, I mean, I spent equal time watching, you know, Looney Tunes. Oh, gosh, yeah. And, and uh, um, you know, the, just the, 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 the comedic cartoons as well. You Remember know? the, uh, like, you had the, the Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck Roadrunner block, which was like an hour and a half long of you know, nothing but Looney Tunes cartoons. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? The best thing about those kind of things is they're, is they're timeless. I mean, like, I'll go back and I'll watch, you know, the, uh, the Super Marvelous Brothers cartoon and, uh, or even the Zelda's cartoon degree. They're very dated. Like, even the, the like, Zelda, especially the wardrobe in there is very 80s. But the the Bugs Bunny cartoons um, are fantastic. My daughter watches them, and she thinks they're the greatest things in the world. And she's seen them for the first time through his new eyes again. And I'm laughing at him. She she can quote the entire Duck Dodgers in the 21st Century cartoon at this point. You know, and one of my favorite single cartoons is um, is the one where uh, Daffy's being um, a duck amuck. Daffy's being tormented by the artist, and you find out that the artist is Bugs Bunny. She 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 laughs like that one hysterically, which and that's one of my favorite cartoons of all time. And the fact that she is getting into these now at five years old in 2009, the exact same cartoons that I was laughing at when I was five years old is fantastic to me. And, and I, I do love that they're so readily available to me at this point. Um, I can get them in just about any way I want to, to see them. That, but you know, that, that's still, you know, it, it, that's good on one hand. But uh, how many kids are not getting that opportunity? Because one of Sean was saying about Saturday Morning Block, yeah, you have all these cartoon only channels and that but not everyone has cable you can't just turn on your free broadcast tv on saturday morning and find cartoons anymore and that is where the uh disappointment and the problem was well the looney tunes in particular you make a good point i mean you can't um, they don't really show them all that much anymore no even on the cartoon networks that they have they just um i mean you have to go out and buy them on dvd whereas when we were kids they would be on every afternoon and on saturday mornings as well there's a period we have have constant exposure to them yeah there's a period now a kid would i mean a parent would have to seek that out for their kid you know i say there's a period of time where like even on cartoon network or whatever channel was showing looney tunes they they wouldn't show the Speedy Gonzales cartoons because he was sending the wrong message to people like you know that you know Mexicans are he always was he was always sleeping taking a siesta you know it's like they thought I was putting the stereotype out that Mexicans are lazy so they wouldn't show that cart any Speedy Gonzales cartoons anymore you know but they were funny if anything he was the one out saving the day all the time yeah I think uh, I think that's part of it too is you know a lot of the old cartoons with all the you know, guns to the face, and you know all that, all that kind of stuff. I think, I think that's what killed a lot of it. You know, yeah. for, unfortunately. You, you know, know what? We, I grew up on uh, Wiley Coyote putting up all his traps together and having them all backfire on him. And uh, you know what? I turned out just fine. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my argument. Yeah, my you wife, know, my wife would debate that though. Yeah, yeah. I guess if it's anything, all about it taught, you, it taught you to be wary of mail order. That's right. <laughs> I guess political correctness did did kill the broadcast of Looney Tunes. If you think about it as well, there are a lot of um, like um, overt uh, racial things going on in a lot of the early Looney Tunes. No, there are. Of course, uh, Disney wasn't uh, exactly immune to that as well either. No, no, no. Oh gosh, Song of the South. (laughs) Tom and Jerry. I mean, you know, there's um, you know, she she loves them as well. Now and you're just like, what were these people thinking? Like honestly, like really. Yeah, it wasn't even just that you're saying the uh, like the superheroes and things like that. I mean, there was uh, I mentioned Super Mario Brothers. I mentioned some of the other ones. There was just a lot of a lot of really good cartoons, plus some original stuff. I mean, I'm not a big fan of anime by any any means, but there was a lot of stuff that got. I'm not sure if it was just 
repurposed and given new soundtracks. I think that's a lot of what it was, like uh, Speed Racer, for example. You know, was just the original, you know, just redubbed over, and they had to try to best they can match the dialogue with what the mouths were saying, which is why the, they never seemed to quite line up. Plus, they had that really odd rhythm to the to the uh, to the dialogue because it wasn't drawn to to, to match our dialogue. Right, um, right. They, they had to time the dialogue to fit the animation. Yeah, and uh, Battle of the Planets uh, was another great yeah. one. Yeah, I mentioned Star Blaz- Star Blazers earlier, which which was another great one uh, that was early on. And uh, I think the first anime I ever really saw was Astro Boy, and uh, did, I mean that was black and white. But did he fire yeah, rockets out of his butt? And- no, he had like he, he had like rocket boots, and it kind of looked like well, when he'd fly, it looked like the lower half of his body, you know, his, was his a rocket turned into a rocket. Yeah, so I guess, I guess so. Yeah, in a way, I can. Well, uh, movie probably- out of that. It's it's. Pretty much done. I think Nicolas Cage is doing the voice of uh, Astro Boy. Oh, yeah. oh man! Yeah, it couldn't be Superman. It's be, so. I mean, it's CG. It's like a CG uh, movie. There's a trailer out there and everything for it. it looks kind of interesting. I've heard it was coming. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. The other good one, I, and this is more like when I was, I guess, a little older. I was probably eighth, ninth grade, or whatever. That they started rebroadcasting in the in the states was Robotech. Okay, yeah. And Robo Robotech was interesting because. Really, the Maycross saga is like the big one. That was like the first arc, and they, the U.S. wanted rights for it, but they couldn't syndicate less than, I forget what it is, 34 or 54 episodes or something like that. And there were only, you know, one, you know, Maycross, the Maycross saga was one season. So in order to, you know, to get a full order, they took three separate animated series and made them work in the redubs and the rewrites and the re-edits to be Robo, you know, the Robotech saga where it was three, you know, I guess it was Macross Saga and then the Masters and then, um, I forget what the third one is, but anyway, they ended up taking these three disparate series and weaving them together to make the Robotech series that we, that we know of today, which is kind of interesting. But that's how they had to do it to get it to work in the U.S. And that was a tough one, too, because it was so episodic. You, it was tough to catch it in the middle, and it was always on at a weird time, and I remember trying to catch it right as it was starting up again to kind of catch it from the beginning. Because, you know, watching it halfway through, or if you caught the second series, you know, the first one, it didn't make any sense. And um, I never I never got there. I actually Netflixed it about four or five years ago and uh, ended up watching it all from start to finish then after all those years. It's really kind of funny that um, nowadays we have the... Um rabid anime fan base here in America so you know we get the anime exactly the way it was in Japan with the Japanese voices and you know subtitles in, in English and whatnot. but I mean in the 70s and 80s every bit of anime that came over here was just you know repurposed redubbed mm-hmm. and redone yep. I mean a lot like a lot of the monster movies too obviously sure. but speaking of anime do you guys uh, follow anime, any uh new anime at all I mean I could probably count on both hands the animes I, I like but the ones I like I like a lot I mean, I'm not going to say I don't like it because I've never really watched any. I just have such a poor memory of that style growing up that I, I just haven't haven't given much of it a chance because I just didn't like the, uh, you know, that style of, of artwork. Even the current cartoons that are done in that style, you know, um, uh, like Teen Titans Go, I've heard great things about it, but I just, I just, I just don't like that art style, so I, I didn't even bother watching it. Yeah, I much preferred what we got out of the Super Friends or, you know, like Mask, Bionic 6, G.I. Joe. I mean, it's that's the stuff I liked. And, and so I haven't given anything else a chance because of my uh, my memories of it. I love Akira. I mean, I've seen, that's like my favorite, and that's kind of the de facto kind of trendy. Um, anime I love uh I love Akira. And 
they re they you know I remember seeing it the first time I saw it was back in the in the I guess late eighty nine ninety on VHS and I found like the widescreen Japanese subtitle version because the English dub was just so bad in that in that original release in the U S and I, I found that and then they remastered it in the late nineties right around two thousand or so and uh, they recast the U S voice they dubbed it and made the script pretty much verbatim from the Japanese version and didn't really try and uh, monkey with it too bad. And it actually is pretty decent. The actual English dub is pretty decent, but I still prefer to watch it with the Japanese version with the subtitles. To me, it just sounds more natural that way. And I've read the manga. It's it's like six telephone book volumes. It's very it's, it's very different than the, than the anime. But I've seen that. I've seen Ghost in the Shell. If I find one I like, I really like it. And if I find one, it's, it's, to me, it's either love or hate. Either, either I find one and I really like it, or I find one and I just it just doesn't do anything for me. So it's it's very hot and cold for me. I'm exactly the same way. The ones that I like, I like a lot, and then the ones then there have been quite a few that I've seen that I just haven't liked at all. I've been totally you know uh, run cold on. I totally agree with you on Akira. That was probably one of the first ones I'd ever seen, and. Um, you know, great imagery, great movie. Ghost in the Shell 1 and 2 are both great. Um, my wife and I are big fans of Cowboy Bebop, which uh, I describe to people as, you know, if T- Quentin Tarantino wrote an anime, uh, it would be Cowboy Bebop, you know. <laughs> if he wrote a sci-fi anime, it would be it would be Cowboy Bebop. Uh, Samurai Champloo is another good one. Um, I know I'm forgetting a ton, but I enjoy it. Oh, I also uh, went through uh, Gundam Wing. That was a really good series. Yeah, stuff and, you guys uh, have been mentioning, um, I've heard good things about, and if I was ever to watch them, they're the ones I'd start with, but I, I just haven't. Maybe it's t- about time, and I'm sure there's people listening right now who are saying, yes, uh, absolutely, you should need to go You need to go see those. Just to jump in, I've just added uh, someone to the call. Hello, who is this? Hi, this is John. Hi, John. Hey, John. Hi, John. Sorry What's to hear about you? your computer, buddy. Let me, let me derail your recording for a second and talk about the week from hell. Are we allowed to say hell? I think it's in context. Okay. So I have in-laws visiting to stay with us for the week, starting last weekend. We have a host of festivities planned, including meeting a long-lost cousin from England who is the sister of my father-in-law they've never met. She's coming from England for a big family reunion on 4th of July. Sounds good, right? My wife and I get strep. Yeah, my wife and I get strep throat from our daughter on Wednesday. We're pretty much dying from Wednesday through yesterday. I'd say the antibiotics really kicked in. Yeah, you know, when I had strep, not to interrupt you, but when I was in college, I was out for a week. I did nothing but lay in bed. Yeah, that's pretty much what I felt like doing. But we did like I had entertaining to do. I had my father-in-law in town, big Yankee fan. I like shivered at the game on Thursday night. Whatever, and then yesterday the computer blows up, so um, it hasn't been great, so I'm missing the cartoon talk, which is kind of annoying, but... It sounds like my week last week, dude. I had my hot water heater and a cooler both die like two days in a row. Totality. Better times ahead. Yes. So carry on. What's your favorite cartoon? <sighs> what are we talking? All-time television Why cartoon? Not? Whatever. My all-time favorite television cartoon is uh, Looney Tunes. Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Rabbit, Duck, Fire. <laughs> hey, John. Yeah. What's your What's your favorite animated series? I call them cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> my, my father called them cartoons. I call them cartoons. 
Yeah, that's that. I don't know. Animated. Yeah, they're cartoons to me, and that's what they're. You know what? That's what they're not anymore. They're not cartoons. They are animated now, and they're weird, and there's strange things happening on them. They're not Saturday morning cartoons. Coming up on the new full-length animated DVD from DC Home Video, or right, whatever. Exactly. And I think I think that's its own thing. I don't think it's a cartoon, but I miss cartoons. Adult Swim and all that. I mean, that's a whole franchise unto itself, and that's that's not the cartoons that we grew up with. No, definitely not. And it's not that I don't enjoy those either. I mean, the the straight to DVD stuff's been really good, and even like the JLU and and the Bruce Tim Batman stuff. They're really not the cartoons that we knew, but that I mean, they're still great. They're just different. You know, there are there are there isn't too much that I can sit with my daughters and watch. It won't drive me bananas, but it's still okay for them. You know that middle ground is hard to find. Yeah, yeah. Well, I see what you're saying. Like, you know, when I think of a cartoon, I think of things like Looney Tunes. You know, Bugs, you know, Bugs Bunny, Looney Tunes, car- those kind of cartoons of, of like modern day stuff. Some of the stuff my daughter watches, like you know, you know SpongeBob or Phineas and Ferb on Disney, things like that. They're cartoons. They're one episode. They're done. You're, you're, you're out. You know, there's no ongoing storyline or continuity. You know, then you get to something like Justice League Unlimited, I have a hard time calling those cartoons. I mean, yes, technically they are. To me, they're an animated series. They're, they are dramatic pieces. You know, the Wonder Woman movie, the Green Lantern coming out in a, in a week or two. They are animated you know the- features and pieces and television shows that, to call them cartoons, not, doesn't degrade them, it just doesn't do them justice, I guess. This sounds like a, a lot like the argument of uh, comics versus graphic novels. Yeah, yeah, I can you see that. Mean? Yeah. What do you guys think about the trend? You know, we've kind of seen, you know, for years and years and years, you know, cartoons were for kids. You know, Saturday mornings, you know, nothing but either shills for toys or to sell toys or to sell breakfast cereal or Pop-Tarts or whatever you want to call it. So it was the, you know, poorly written, you know, poorly whatever. I remember reading a, a, a description for the Super Friends, the last series, the... Uh, the Galactic Superpower Show, or whatever they called it. Right. One of the reasons for cancellation cited was bad use of science, which I, which I always thought was awesome. Just just reading reading that that description. That was fourth world stuff, wasn't the it? Superpower. Yeah, they brought in like uh, yeah, dark side, Calabac, and so, dark so side and all that. Not to go too sorry, not to go too far on a, on a segue here. What do you know? What they meant by bad use of science was it was it that it was inaccurate, like it couldn't really happen, or was it the fact that like they were doing bad things with science? Like, no, it was like like just really bizarre. I mean, it didn't elaborate too much, but I just thought it was just hilarious that quote. You know? I, I can imagine it, like executives get not getting their head around the idea that you can open up a wormhole to another dimension to bring forward this fourth world guy who can fly this and that. Bad use of science, and that that stuff can't happen for real. So we're going to call it bad use of science. Just because they didn't understand the concept or whatever. Yeah, I don't know if that was just the reviewer's interpretation. I just, I just, it just kind of right. caught me funny. Thank you. But um, so, so we kind of see that that more childish trend, and then boom, Batman the animated series comes along, and then we get this more adult, late, you know, teen, early adult um, trend towards cartoons where we had Batman the animated series, we had the X-Men animated series, we had Spider-Man, you know, the new Spider-Man animated series. And then we had, you know, Batman beyond very dark, um, Superman, the Superman animated series. And then of course, Justice League. So the whole Timverse thing kind of took it in a, in a darker and more mature 
you know, realm where, you know, more concentration on story, on action, on a little more realism to it. And now it seems like we're turning back the other way. You know, we got rid of all the Justice League stuff and we got Teen Titans Go and we got the Batman and now we've got Batman Brave and the Bold and we're seeing some of the, you know, the, with the surge in some of the stuff that comes on either uh, Cartoon Network or Nicktoons and stuff. And actually, um, one that you left out is the, um, the new Spider-Man animated show. I don't know if any of you guys have seen that, but I, I really thought they did a really good job of towing that line. You know, it's not as childish yeah. as the Batman or, you know, not as goofy as Brave and the Bold, but it doesn't get as serious as Justice, you know, as JLU. That's true, yeah. Right. I have noticed that. Yeah, I know what you're saying. You know, you mentioned the, uh, like, the, the turning point with Batman, the animated series. Um, I know on one of the, uh, the documentaries, it might be on the first season or what, or what but it's um, uh, Mark Hamill, and uh, he's talking about his experience working on those first shows. And, you know, he went in, did his voice work with uh, Kevin Conroy, and they, they, they did everything they're doing and, you know, had, had a good time. They come in to do some, uh, some pickups, and they have the first animation cells back uh, from Korea or wherever they were having the, the finished work done. Um, and they have the music scored, and, they, and they're, basically they're shown the, that intro sequence, which we all know so very well. And, and Mark Hamill looks over at Kevin Conroy and he's like, did, did you know that we were doing this? Because that whole sequence, you, you know, in the, that minute or so, that this is something different than you've seen before. You know, yeah, you, you're, you're doing the Joker's voice or what have you, and you're listening to, you're just reading the dialogue, and it could be applied to, to anything. But when you see the, the finished animation, you hear that music, and you hear a theme, and you can tell it has this very large feel to it that almost like, like a television screen can't contain it, and it's just just so well produced and like even the actors you know Mark Hamill has done so many things and has made quite the career for himself in voice acting particularly is surprised and, then, and know, awed by it is just incredible and all the stars and everything it was kind of perfect timing too I mean because you know Batman as a movie was ungodly successful Batman Returns had just come out so you have the same look and feel mostly you know with the dark Gotham and all that kind of stuff and the Danny Elfman score on the animated series to match the Danny Elfman score on the movies, and it just it just flowed so well. So anybody that you know casually liked the movies see this and and just immediately you know weave themselves right into this animated show, thinking it came straight out of the movies. I think also it, it reflects like a, a thing where um, cartoons are more accepted for adults. I mean, you see the Batman animated series. Not so long uh, after that, uh, Space Ghost Coast to Coast is on the Cartoon Network, and uh, that led to the whole Adult Swim thing. Uh, so we have you know. A, Cartoons for a long time were just, you know, just like comics, the province of, uh, you know, immature stories and literature for little kids. Now, animation is coming into its own. We're seeing, you know, animated series and stories that are, are you know, just for adults. I mean, look at the Spawn series on HBO. Yeah. Or, like I yeah. said, you know, Adult Swim, you know, Metalocalypse. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's definitely not for kids. You know? Yeah, not even that and, stuff. Uh, not even going that extreme. I mean, look at the Wonder Woman uh, animated feature that came out on DVD not long ago. Exactly. Jim, you and I saw yeah. that. That's that's PG-13, and it earned every every bit of it. It was It's definitely totally. not not for kids. Um, in, on Tool to Corrupt last week, we are talking about Transformers 2, and Art, Art was saying how he wouldn't take his son to, to see that. And I'm like, well, true, but you know what? It's PG-13 for a reason. Sure, it's based on a, on a cartoon that we watched at that age. But, all right, this movie's not, not for that age group, and you shouldn't expect that it is. Or, in the case of cartoons, that, like comics, not all cartoons are for kids. I've had this conversation with people about The Simpsons Forever. 
Yes, it's anime. It's a cartoon. But you know what? Not all cartoons are for kids. That's right. It seems like that's where the, the trend is going now to stay more on the adult side. Is to, you know, go back for broadcast television. It's back to trying to get kid audience or stuff that, that people can watch with their kids. And the direct-to-video stuff seems to be the more adult-oriented, where we've got Wonder Woman, we've got Green Lantern, Superman Doomsday, you know, the Avengers stuff, even the Hulk versus all that stuff that's been coming out lately. Yeah, now, to that end, you know, I, I the Avengers, the, 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 the Ultimate Avengers DVDs, particularly then the Young Avengers DVD that came out, that's, like, very kid-friendly. I'd put that about where Le- the Legion of Superheroes cartoon was. Next, next Avengers, right? Is that what Next, next Avengers, okay. thank you, Next Avengers. Right. And, that's and, excellent, yes. It's fantastic. It's fan- it's probably it's, it that was better than the Ultimate Avengers uh, movies that came out. It, it surprised me greatly because I really thought, oh man, this is going to be really kitty oriented, and I mean, and it was, but in a in a good way. And it was it was one of those that you could watch the kids can watch it, and the adults can watch it, and everybody enjoy it. And I was I was really pleasantly surprised to see that. I had, I had somewhat low expectations in there. Definitely- hey, while we're on this topic, um, I've got about well, I've got two voicemails from Sean Pryor. You want to want to listen to those now and see where that takes us? Sure. Yeah, let's do that. All right, they're uh, they're kind of long, but I'll play them back to back. How about that? Sounds good. All right, take a little break here. Hey, LOD, what's up? This is Sean. Um, after hearing that uh, the Legion of Dudes will be doing an episode on their favorite cartoons, I couldn't help but to chime in on this because I am a cartoonaholic. I cannot live without them. I need them in my life. They were my gateway to comic books and all other types of venues in this world of ours. But I know people probably have already talked about the popular cartoons like the G.I. Joe. Um, Transformers, you know, things of that nature. I'm going to talk about a couple of obscure cartoons that you probably possibly may have forgotten about. I doubt it, but just in case. And you may never see these on DVD ever due to licensing issues and rights issues. Uh, The first one that is real close to my heart and actually got me going to the arcade. Yes, I said arcade for you young whippersnappers that don't know what an arcade is. (laughs) It was a cartoon that aired on CBS back in 1983 and 84 called Saturday Supercade, which had Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., Pitfall Harry, Q-Bert and Frogger, and I think, if I'm, not, um, if I'm not mistaken, later added Kangaroo and Space Ace. And they were all short cartoons and, in a serialized, to-be-continued format, and it was a bunch of fun. Oh, it, it, it replays poorly now. Oh, it replays so poorly. Although the Space Ace episodes play pretty well, but all the other ones, oh, they play so poorly. Um, you know, you can find bootlegs of them anywhere. Um, let's see, another obscure cartoon. This one I did not like, but I would watch it anyway because nothing else was on when it was on, was Mr. T. Any cartoon that has a bulldog with a mohawk and a dookie rope, a.k.a. gold chain, is bad, period. And and the little, little white boy with like the red hair that I was always trying to imitate Mr. T and kept getting in trouble, I always wanted somebody just to kill him. It's it's mean to say I, I just wanted that. I couldn't stand the kid. I just couldn't stand him. But anywho, uh, another one of my um, favorite obs- obscure cartoons uh, from back in the day. There was a period of time in the mid to late, mid-90s when the USA Cartoon Network, when USA and they had a little Cartoon Express, I mean, they changed up their venues. They changed up their formats. Uh, they were owned by U- USA. Became owned by Universal, and they uh, switched up the way they did the Cartoon Express because Cartoon Network had had opened up. They pulled all a majority of their Hanna Barbera stuff back uh, to the Cartoon Network. So 
Cartoon Express had to change up their game because they didn't have that that uh, Hanna Barbera catalog anymore. So they, um, because they had Universal money, they had a, a Street Fighter Two cartoon which was similar to bad episodes of GI Joe, uh, Mortal Kombat cartoon which I still enjoy to this day, uh, Savage Dragon cartoon, which if you uh, hear an interview with uh, Eric Larson about, it, he's got some funny stories to tell. And my, actually one of my favorite cartoons, even to this day, Wing Commander, which was actually pretty good. That cartoon made me want to play the actual uh, computer games. So, and let's see, what else was there? Oh, and the Centurions. Basically, a, like a 22-minute toy commercial, day in, day out. Love it. And they spent at least three minutes per episode you know, getting their gear on and stuff like that. And basically it was an instruction manual on how you're supposed to put the Centurion gear on said Centurions, uh, Ace McCloud and uh, Jake Rockwell and Max Ray. No, I ain't forgot. Anywho. And, um, but no, those are some of the, like, obscure cartoons I enjoyed from back in the day. I'll let y'all get back to y'all's show. Oh, and remember, the reason why Filmation went out of business is because a makeup company, L'Oreal, bought them and closed them down um, shortly afterwards. Yeah, but anywho. You guys take care. Keep doing a wonderful show. Peace and good times. You know, I remember that, that uh, Mortal Kombat cartoon. That wasn't too bad, actually. There was definitely worse out there. Oh, the Centurions. Hey, he, brought, uh, oh. he brought out some uh, talk about obscure. <laughs> uh, I, don't remember what's in, I don't remember what's in the second one. Let's see what he's got now. Hey, guys. It's Sean again. I forgot. Uh, there were two other two other cartoons. Well, one's a cartoon and one's a live-action Saturday morning slash uh, Saturday afternoon show. Uh, that I used to watch that I just truly enjoyed. Um, in 88, uh, Ruby Spears um, produced a um, Superman cartoon, and it was in conjunction with uh, Superman's anniversary and also in conjunction with the Superman reboot um, that, you know, that John Byrne um, did. And the cartoon itself was kind of like a, a combination of elements of the Superman movie, movie, with elements of the John Byrne Superman. You had the business tycoon Lex Luthor, but at the same time, you kind of had the movie-esque type, um, type Superman. It was, it was a weird mix, but it was really entertaining. It was very, uh, very cool. And also, it had um, like these, uh, the Kent uh, fa- family, uh, family photo album where they would go back in the day and you would see a young Clark Kent, um, you know, young Clark Kent stories. They're about like five or ten minutes long. Really, really enjoy that show. It's a shame it's not on DVD. You can get it via bootleg, <clears throat> but I'm not telling you to do that. Um, but that's one of my personal favorites of all time. And the other series is a Saturday Saturday morning slash Saturday afternoon syndicated show. It's live action called Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future. It was one of the first, for me, interactive shows where you could have uh, you know Captain Power toys and you could like uh, shoot the bad guys on television. They could shoot back at you and and, you know, your toys were interactive, so, like, the ship would explode. And, you know, I had cool action figures. Actually, the, a, lot of the, a lot of the stories for Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future were written by J. Michael uh, Straczynski. Um, you know, some people may not know that. But the show it was a sci-fi action-based show. And to be honest with you, the mood of that show was dark, <laughs> especially for little kids. Yeah, I still to this day cannot believe they were able to get away with some of the things they got away with and the level of violence and destruction they got away with on that show for its time uh, that it premiered and the uh, show finale, which was like uber dark. Um, and it was the first time I ever heard a kid's show 
had a hero say go to hell. But anyway, that's that's it. That's all. I could talk about these cartoons for hours. Trust me, I got like a book that I, I a book full of cartoons and Saturday morning shows that I could talk to you about for days. But um, as always, uh, you gentlemen have a wonderful show. Please keep uh, recording. We will keep listening. Um, all hail the mighty LOD. Peace and good times. All right. Thank you very much, Sean. I don't remember any of those. I do remember Captain N, uh, the Game Master, the Nintendo ca- uh, cartoon. Uh, we watch that on Netflix now and then. Here's a, here's a question for you guys. What cartoon from your childhood did you go back and look at as an adult and just kind of watch for about two minutes and were just like, okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah. something that didn't age really, really well. I'd have to say the, uh, the Filmation uh, uh, 60 Superman cartoon for me because I went back and watched it as, a, as an adult. I'm like, wow. I really enjoyed this. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I haven't good. really gone back to watch too much, um, which is probably a good thing. I'm, I'm living, I'm living on the memories of the past, so I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of fearful to, to go back and watch some of that stuff because I'm afraid it's going to taint my uh, memories and my image of what it was. Yeah, nothing really jumps out to mind. Um, I guess I'm kind of with you, Jim, with some of those old uh, filmation cartoons, things like that. Like I go back and I'll watch Transformers, and some of them are, are, are cheesy, but I, I still like them for what they are. Uh, G.I. Joe, I still enjoy watching, watching that. Actually, I was surprised how well uh, G.I. Joe held up for me uh, when I went back and watched it, uh, watched it today. You know, meaning like this time. One, a couple cartoons I want to go back and play, uh, uh, or I want to go back and watch again. Let me see, you guys remember this one? That was a quick short of the end one there. Did you, did you really pick up what that was? No. I'm sorry, no. That was, I know, that was, that was different coming up as clear as I thought. That, that was Mask. Do you remember Mask? Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the yeah. vehicles that could change into planes and everything? Mobile Armored Strike Man. There it is. Very good. Right. Very good. And I mentioned earlier Bionic 6. That was, I mean, both of them had these really cheesy 80s, uh, you know, soundtracks to them, like the the, uh, the opening scenes in that. It, I, I really want to go back and look, watch those full episodes again just to see if, if they held up, because I have not seen an episode of either of those in in, in 20 years almost, it seems. Yeah, one of the things in listening to Sean's email about the arcade shows, and I think one he forgot to mention was Pole Position. That was another one that was that was big in that block, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I used to really love it. It was a Saturday morning show, but it wasn't a cartoon. It was syndicated. It was called Starcade, and they would have kids come on and compete. Oh, yeah? The high scores on, like, the hottest arcade games. And I remember we would all, like, get together and watch it, all my friends would be like, oh, man, we don't have that machine, you know? What the heck's that, you know? Mr. Do, what the, you know? And, or, you know, try to figure out strategy. I remember uh, my big arcade game was uh, Star Castle. And seeing that on Starcade one one uh, Saturday morning, I was like, "Wow, I never thought to do that." You know, and it entirely changed the way I played the game. But uh, that was, you know, I'm I'm sure that was around the same time. And like Sean said, for those of you too young to know what an arcade is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was a place where we used to go to play video games because they were too big to have at home. And if you knew where to which which where to go and who to look for, you could score some you know less than legal substances as well. At least you could at the arcades around here. Like tokens? Yeah. Yes, just like tokens. Actually, there was a little arcade um, not far from where I went to high school. So every day at lunch, 
um, from like my sophomore year through senior year, those three years, because freshman, as a freshman, I could, we couldn't leave the school. But we would go down to lunch, go down to a little corner store, buy a hot dog and a Coke, and then go to the arcade and play video games for a half hour before we had to get back to school. That was, that was a, there were fun times doing that. We're very blessed here in Pittsburgh to have uh, a very fine arcade uh, games in that. Uh, in an old, uh, I think it was it's, the building is an old glass factory or something, but uh, it, they have all the old school games that you loved when you were a kid. They have cabinets, they have like a hundred uh, old school games like programmed into them that you can choose from. They have duck pin bowling. It's, it's the old arcade experience. It's really great. Cool. Only now you can grow facial hair. But anyway, <laughs> getting back to cartoons. <laughs> So, guys, if you had to narrow it down to, say, you know, top five cartoons all time, and that's uh, comedic and dramatic, what would they be? If I had to, Looney Tunes, Bugs Bunny, and that kind of stuff, that, that's got to be my number one. You know, no question. That's, that's stuff I will, can sit back and laugh at today. You know, right behind that, I'm going to stick uh, Justice League Unlimited. You know, that, like JLA. Really, I'd put any of the Timverse in there, but you know, that was to me was the culmination of all the stuff that came before. I mean, that so, so the Justice League stuff was definitely going to be my my number two. After that, I'm going to go with uh, the Amazing Spider-Man, the '90s Spider-Man cartoon. Then, probably after that, I, I'm going to have to do a tie on GI Joe and Transformers because they're they're the two that stick out for me from the uh, from from the '80s that that really shine out there. I. I Super Friends would have they they tie for fourth with Super Friends being number number six I guess. That's tough. How about you, Russ? I I would rank I would say number one for me of all time is probably Batman Beyond. I just loved that whole show and the concept. I mean, I would include the uh, Return of the Joker in that as well. And I just thought that was just you know a concept that I thought could easily work and translate into into comics, and it really hasn't taken off. But that, I just I got all three volumes of that show. Um, so that would be probably number one. Probably two would be Justice League Unlimited, because I just love what they did with, you know, just expanding the roster and just doing some really cool stories, um, especially when they when they strung things together. Probably third would be Batman the Animated Series. Fourth, I would say probably the 90s X-Men series. I really, really like that. It just brought back all the, you know, it's it, well, our current storylines they were going through in the late 80s, early 90s, and, you know, kind of, put new twists on some of the older stuff that was out there. And that whole dark, the Phoenix, Dark Phoenix saga was really translated well. And probably fifth, to go back a little bit, I would probably say Spider-Man is Amazing Friends, just for the nostalgia. Mm, that's a good one. It's another one my daughter really liked when she was watching it. Well, uh, my number one all-time would have to be Looney Tunes. Um, my number two would have to be The Simpsons. Uh, it's just been part of my life for 20 years now. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, if you look at the overall quality over that long of a period of time, it really, I mean, there have been dips and valleys or whatever, but I mean, generally, it's its always been solid. It's always been fun. It still amazes me 20 years later, that's still going strong. And it's yeah. still funny. I, I mean, the new episodes are actually good. You know, I mean, it's not like, you know, you watch the new Simpsons episode and you're like, oh, Simpsons it's crap. Did it. But, uh, I mean, they still, I mean, they, their movie just came out a couple of years ago, you know? Yeah. I just, uh, it's funny you mentioned funny you mention that. I wouldn't put that in my top, I didn't put it in my top five, obviously, but I, I've, I've argued for a long time with people that I think The Simpsons are probably the greatest sitcom in television history, period. It's definitely the longest running sitcom in television history now, and I'd agree. It's, I mean, it's so funny that when The Simpsons started, 
they were viewed as very, I mean, like Bart and Lisa, and, I mean, the whole family were viewed as very uh, lowbrow and very bad for America and very, you know, very rebel. And, and now they're viewed at as almost, uh, viewed as almost like the, uh, the American, American, you know, average family. You know what I mean? It's almost like the, the family, American family grew to meet the Simpsons, you know? <laughs> like it or not. Uh, yeah, number three, I'd have to go with uh, Batman the Animated Series, just because, like I said, the, that was the series that got me back into comics. I started watching that, and then I would watch the um, the Fantastic Four and Iron Man Action Hour, which was really not very good, but reminded me how much affection I had for those characters. And then Batman the Animated Series, and then the Superman, and then on into Justice League. So that'd be number three. Uh, number four, I'd have to go with Cowboy Bebop. I just, uh, I love it, man. It's a really great story, well-written. Uh, number five, I'd probably go with The Venture Brothers, just because there has not been a bad episode of The Venture Brothers, ever. Every time I watch The Venture Brothers, it's hilarious. Every time I watch, I rewatch episodes, I get more out of them. And the bigger of a geek you are, the more references you'll get and the funnier it gets. But uh, definitely, uh, for honorable mention, I have to go along with you, Russ, on the 90s X-Men cartoon. I still watch that. I still love that. And um, the uh, the Max cartoon from uh, the old Liquid Television show. That was mm. a really great one. And uh, The Tick. The Tick, I always oh, yeah. still watch. Just very days. What about new cartoons, guys? I know uh, we've all we've talked on the show before about uh, Batman Brave and the Bold. And about the uh, the Star Wars Clone Wars cartoons. On the Cartoon Network, they're both on Cartoon Network now. Yes. Yeah. And we uh, generally, I mean, we've had positive things to say. I really, after as uh, serious a tone as Batman the Animated Series was, it's kind of cool they're getting back to kind of the semi-goofy, you know, uh, Silver Agey Batman, and it's kind of a logical way to go. And I think yeah. that's cool. And to be honest, I've liked some episodes of the the Star Wars Clone Wars cartoon better than I like some of the prequel movies. You know, some of the stories were really great. I mean, it's been uh, it's been consistently uh, well written. The, the thing I, I love about the, uh, the the Clone Wars cartoon is it's really the as Anakin. I mean, one of the big problems with the prequels, one of the problems, is was Anakin. He's either always either too whiny or you know doesn't he he's feel like always being held back. You know, and there's different reasons for that. In this one, in the cartoon, we're seeing him basically. He's right where he needs to be at that moment. He's He's confident as a as a as a Jedi. He's a Jedi Knight. He's he's getting respect he deserves, but he doesn't feel like he's trying to overextend himself yet. Plus, seeing him as a he has an apprentice now. I've just I just in the, in the ones I've seen, he's uh, you know still you know cocky and arrogant, but he's he's also uh, portrayed a lot differently. Like, like if if he was portrayed in the movies the way he was here, I think at least at least that part of it, we'd have a different opinion of those of those movies. That if you, that if you had a better actor, I guess too. It adds a lot of depth to a lot of those characters, though. I mean, the cartoons. Oh, yeah. I mean, we learn all about you know the the story behind Commander Cody and and the different clones and the um, and Obi Wan and I mean it just really broadens uh, what was there in the prequels and uh, I just really think that is um, I mean would really be smart for Lucas to keep going in that direction you know to try to do episodic TV like this in in the form I mean this could, I don't know I I saw the movie um, when it came out and was really unimpressed by the story yeah. of the, the Clone Wars, you know, cartoon movie. But some of the uh, the cartoon episodes I've seen since have really been great. Yeah, I, uh, I had the same opinion of the movie. Was uh, I think it was just a story that they went with to kind of launch this franchise with was, uh, 
he's just just bad, a poor choice in general. I mean, the the not the first arc they led off with, but the the, the first the giant ship with the uh, the malevolence was called uh, that three story arc. If that was the movie, I would probably would have had a completely different opinion. I think that I think I think this, the the scope of the 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 cartoon itself is just the right size for television, which is to say, it's uh you know it's bigger than most cartoons, so it, it just feels very grand. But it doesn't have; it's not big enough for, for for the theater. It doesn't have enough grandeur to carry it as a as a theater uh, feature. You know, if you know what I'm saying there. That's one of the things that I love best about the Clone Wars cartoon is the focus on the clones. You know, I think those episodes they had the focus on Cody and Rex and even just random clones. They had a couple. They had one that was like the Rishi Station episode where you know they kind of got ambushed there. And it's it, and there's there's some of those episodes of that show that are pretty dark. I mean, you know, you know, people get killed, and you know, they're not just robots. And you know, there's they, they show kind of real consequences of what's going on. And there's there's just been some really really good episodes of that. I think some of the some of the good episodes of the Clone Wars are some of the best Star Wars out there that's you know ever been put onto video. I mean, it's just it's they've been really solid. I mean, some of them are kind of you know, there's a few of them that kind of got Jar Jar in there, and they they're a little silly, and it's like oh god, but um. But overall, I'm pretty impressed with it. What do you guys think of the uh, the Gendy Tartakovsky that did, um, you know, Samurai Jack and uh, and Dexter's Laboratory? That Clone Wars series when it when it came on. Holy crap! I forgot to mention Samurai Jack. I love that cartoon. <laughs> I thought that was great. I really liked that as well. And uh, I kind of I was kind of hoping there would be more of that. But uh, I mean, the new cartoon is what it is, and it's it's really good. It is different from the Tartakovsky stuff. Though. Yeah, I mean, you can see they're yeah. trying to mimic, it, while keeping its own style. It really has that 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 three D CGI look to it. the The character designs kind of mimic those those designs from that other from the original series. Um, but but that was really really good. I mean, at the time when that was Aaron, we thought this was going to be the only time we would really see the Clone Wars. I mean, we saw in the movies, you know, the beginning and the end. That was it. We had all this open space in between that we would cover through different other avenues, be it the books, comics, what have you. So being able to see the, at least some battles, and it was, was fantastic. It was really good. There's an episode of that where to talk, talk about the focus on the clones. It's completely the clones doing this infiltration. They don't speak a word. It's all hand signals and a, and, and a full attack. And that's like five minutes of some of the best storytelling I've ever seen, and, and there's barely a word of dialogue spoken. Yeah. Yeah, and, that was awesome. Yeah, it was very good. And then, then Lucas liked it so much, he had them go out and make another another batch, which was del- directly a prequel to Episode Three. I mean, literally, where where that cartoon that series ended, the movie began. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, since we're sort of on the subject, uh, uh, what about CGI? What about um, like Pixar films? And uh, I especially wanted to ask Russ if he had seen um, Final Fantasy Advent Children. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I did. When that first came out, I waited and waited and waited for it and grabbed it when it first came out. You know, I mean, any kind of square does any kind of animation. It's just phenomenal. You know, the, one of the problems with Advent Children, though, was it was like 90% eye candy, 10%, you know, story. And so it was it, it was a little tough. Like, if you hadn't played the video game for Final Fantasy VII, you'd have a really tough time, I think, following Advent Children. And even playing it, you still kind of had trouble following it. They've recently released, I think it came out a couple weeks ago, the Advent Children Complete. And they've gone through and added another 15 or 20 minutes to it and added a lot more story components. Supposedly, the reviews I've read have, have been that it makes it a lot 
they add a lot more story to it, so it kind of makes it a little easier to understand just what exactly is going on in it. But but it's just it's gorgeous. I mean, it's just it's incredible. Yeah. Well, the big difference for me when I saw Advent Children, I, I, I saw the um, the official dub, you know, the official subtitles, and then I saw a fan-made subtitle uh, version, and the fan-made subtitles made so much more sense than, you know, the official subtitles uh, for the, you know, the Japanese, from the Japanese version, and it made a lot more sense of the story. But I don't know, Ken, if you're familiar with it. This is like, it was hyper-realistic CGI um, done by Squaresoft with the characters from Final Fantasy VII, and uh, it was mind-blowingly detailed, beautiful. Like like Russ said, it was it was eye candy. It was a visual. Yeah, I, re- I remember visual it. stimulant. For I sure. remember it, and one of the best things about any of the Squaresoft video games, especially of the uh, the you know, PS2 generation and later, was was the cutscenes. I mean, they were you know all by themselves had a higher production quality than many movies I've seen. I remember when that that came out, everybody was was amazed by it because I mean, here is completely CG. Because at that point, any CG has been done, while good, looked nothing like this. And as you said, hyper realistic. You know, even even you know the Clone Wars we mentioned. You know, they they still have this very wooden look to them, to the way they walk and move and and, and what have you. You didn't have any of that. I mean, every, right down to individual hairs flowing in the in the breeze was just perfect. And uh, if anything, Squaresoft was always good at it. it was their 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 cutscenes and to be able to do one as, as a full feature-length movie was, you know, impressive to say the least. Well, you look at a movie like Up, for instance, you know, which is is hyper-realistic in some way. It's like the the the, um, the details of of like say the wood in the house or the of the individual balloons, you know, of the, of the you know the man uses to blow you know to float away. The detail is incredible, but the people are all still very much very cartoony. Right. They're very much, you know, uh, caricatures, you know, from, uh, you know, 2D sensibility of cartoons. Yeah, it's one thing and to add. Look, sorry, guys. Finish your thought. I'm just, I'm just you know, thanks. I, I'm, then you look at the CGI that they use in, you know, this Advent Children, and it's it's hyper-realistic. I mean, like you're saying, you know, individual hair is blowing in the breeze. You can see the texture of the leather in the guy's jacket, you know, things like that. And it's like, it's two different approaches. And, I mean, both are valid and both make, you mm-hmm. know, for great great viewing or whatever but it's just really interesting to see the two different approaches you know from the two different cultures with the same you know technology at their disposal yeah i mean it's definitely with with in the case of up it's one thing to uh um apply a texture or something to an inanimate object it's it's i mean you can get a you know a much more realistic realistic looking house if you will than you can maybe a, a person with their you know expressions depth of field i mean it's it as that, that just shows you how impressive what they did with Avon children was you know, even to apply physics, I mean, the feat with what Pixar does to me is more in the technology than the animation. Not to say it's not not good; it's very good, but it's 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 the processing power and the physics to, to as you mentioned, to have these individual balloons. And as he releases, you know, balloons one at a time, to have them float away in a realistic man realistic manner, right down to you know the string moving back, moving in a way that makes sense to how the balloon is moving, you know. That's just a question of. I want to say it's just a, t- a question of technology, but it's not just that. You know, some people, someone can look at something and say, "Oh, that's just photoshopped." Well, yes, but there's a skill and an art to doing to really create something on a computer, just as there is with you know pen and ink. So th- these are still artists doing this work. It's just that their medium is pixels and not canvas, if you will. Um, and as you say, there are definitely two different approaches and two valid approaches. Uh, 
you know, but just definitely different, different, different end go, end games in mind. Did uh, did either of you get to see the uh, the uh, the clips from uh, James Cameron's Avatar yet? Speaking of animation, no, I've only not. seen the trailer, the teaser trailer, which is just uh, one little scene. Right. They showed a little bit at uh, E3 of the, um, the actual animation, and again, it's it's. CGI. It's interesting though that where you know on one end you have cartoons, and the other end you have digital effects in films. I mean, you brought up Transformers before, you know, as being PG thirteen or whatever. But in a way, Optimus Prime, I mean, is, is digitally animated, you know, and then put into you know the, the 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 real world scenario or what have you. Right. And and like I was saying about the point, you know, the the. That you and I were talking about about up. If you you know, I, this, I think it's pretty much, very much a stylistic choice on Pixar's uh, behalf, just because maybe they think you know, well we you know we have the technology, we could make realistic looking people, but it's almost like in Wall E is a good example. I mean the you know all the parts and all the rust, all the dust, all the buildings and everything. Like you said, Ken, you know were in perfect detail, and but then when you got to the people, they were caricatures again. Mm-hmm. You know. I don't know. It's, it's it's interesting to see, and I'm just I'm just wondering. You know, we see this intersection now of animation and, and live action films to the point where you know they're integrated into each other. It's a, it's an interesting time to be a, a fan of cartoons. You know, not to change gears too much, but just talking about technology maybe reminded me of something. Uh, we mentioned you know Avid Children, and and you know that was years years to make that with the level of detail it had. Um, I'm reminded of South Park, which on the surface has a very simplistic animated style. And, and to be fair, it, it is. I mean, it's, you know, it originally was, in fact, cardboard paper, like construction paper cutouts that they use stop motion photography to make some, make these cartoons with. As certainly, at least it was the, uh, the, the Christmas card one they kind of did as a test. What they mm-hmm. did down, you know, pretty quickly, they realized they needed a better way. And now they're, for the last, you know, several, you know, years, they're very timely in, in their topics. Something can happen in the real world. And, like, that following Wednesday, that's the episode that's airing on Cartoon Network. They achieve that because they're using the same powered computer and the same software that's being used to power, you know, Transformers or Iron Man, you know, but to make this little cartoon. So they can draw something up using a computer-generated, you know, construction paper figures but have it rendered out in very, very short amount of time because they're using all that power to, to animate these little 30-minute cartoons. They actually went back and redid some stuff, and they added these huge explosion effects that they can do with the software that they couldn't do before. Um, I remember when uh, the PSP came out, and that was a huge deal. Like This is the original PSP came out, you know, what's it, four years ago now? That following week, they had a whole episode about the PSP. Now, they probably planned that ahead of time, but... Um, oh, I know what it was. It was when... Um, they they captured Saddam Hussein. They found him in the in the the rabbit hole, whatever it was. And uh, that next Wednesday, they had an episode on and featuring him, including using the picture <laughs> of, the, of his mugshot um, nice. in there. And it was a matter of five days, I think, between them capturing him in this episode airing. You know, so here's a case where they're using the same technology, these huge processing power of these computers, to do this little thing. But that allows them to be so timely. It's 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 crazy how quickly they can get stuff done. Interesting fact: when Saddam Hussein was being held for his trial, uh, the guards made him watch South Park uh, bigger, longer. The movie, I believe, where he plays right. you know Satan, where he plays Satan's lover and stuff. They made yep. him watch it no, over funny. and over. 
nice. Reminds me of uh, Manuel Noriega when they were playing rock music that kind of smoke him out of, out of his, his house. Uh, I guess that's, you know, where you can kind of compare South Park. I mean, not, not you know, comparing it, I use it in a broad sense, but um, South Park to The Simpsons, where you have two animated series. You know, South Park, obviously, not as long a run as, as The Simpsons, but still, it's, it's been on for, what, 10 years now? A little, going on 11 years? At least. Um, yeah. But again, it's it's kind of like The Simpsons in that it stays timely. So you have the same set of characters that really, for the most part, don't age. But through the, through using current events as its you know, background or, for, or foreground, it's able to stay timely and stay you know pertinent. So it's you know to some degree, it's not really as much about the characters and stuff as much as it is how they interact with things going on in the world around them. So. Um, and then, of course, you know, the, you know, flipping things around, like you know, Ken was saying, really quick. But I, I, to me, that's always been two things that I've seen as, as kind of similarities between those two shows. It's probably why they've both been around for so, uh, for so long, too. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So going, I, I, I want to go back a little bit. You know, we kind of, we've, we've kind of, you know, talked about, you know, where we started watching, and then we talked about some of, you know, our, our top fives, and we, and we heard Kellen talk a little bit, and, and then talked about some modern stuff, and got into CG and whatnot. But I'm, I want to bring up three, there's three cartoons that I remember very, very fondly from my youth and wish that they would either repurpose, um, and, and, and one of them to some degree I think they, they have and done successfully. But the other two I would love to see some sort of either rebirth or reimagining with a more modern take on them. Um, and the first one is Thunder the Barbarian. I don't know if you guys remember Thunder the Barbarian. A little oh, bit, totally. yeah. I know what you're talking about, but I, Uke, I can't... Ukla the Mock and uh, the whole you know, the Apocalypse thing. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. They had it on um, on uh, Boomerang Network, on the Boomerang Action Block for a while as well. Yeah, and, and that was one of those that, you know, again, it was like post-apocalyptic, something crashed into the moon, I think, that twisted Earth's orbit or gravity or something like that and killed off almost everybody, so... You know, there was always, you know, so it was these three, you know, adventurers. One of them was like a sorceress that had uh, knowledge of, you know, the, you know, Oxford time period, which is like the 70s, 80s kind of era. And Thundar, who is just, you know, basically like a Conan analog, you know, just dumb as a fence post, but uh, could fight. And then Ukla the Muck, which was kind of like the, uh, you know, Chewbacca, I guess, uh, equivalent at the time, you know, being the Star Wars was so hot. And it didn't. It lasted a couple seasons. I don't think it lasted even twenty episodes total. But in the most recent issue, or the, not the most recent, but the previous issue of that issue, they talked. They did a whole big thing on on Thunder the Barbarian and how it was. You know, Alex Toast did a lot of the stuff, just like for the Super Friends. He was heavily involved in that. Jack Kirby did all of the promo artwork for it um, when they put it out there, and it was you know kind of cool. Thunder had that. It was like a lightsaber sword that he you know kept on his his uh, forearm. Um, on his little armband there, and I just, I, you know, I just always liked the post-apocalyptic stuff, and it was, you know, it took place in the, you know, 30th century or something crazy like that. But yeah, you know, they always ran into like abandoned subway tunnels and found like old 80s technology and computers and stuff like that. You know, of course, nobody they call it a VCR. Yeah, I, I, just, I just always liked that show. I'd love to see them, you know, be able to kind of reimagine that, you know, with a little more modern take on it, put more focus on story and action and stuff. I think it'd be, it'd be kind of a neat concept. The other one that I want to mention is, did you guys ever watch Dun- the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon that was on? In Absolutely. Kind of early, early oh, my 
That was. Oh my God, dude, you're not gonna wait. I need to, I need a minute here, okay? Today, as, as, a, as a request for uh, a guy who uh, is having had his 40th birthday today, he requested a Dungeons and Dragons brunch. Nice. Uh, for Geek nice. Brunch. So I did a Dungeons and Dragons brunch for him today. And not only that, he set up uh, a Dungeon Master screen and had a little game going on uh-huh. uh, on the stage with some of his guests. And they would rotate in and out. They would eat and then play a little bit of the game. He had like 30 people with him. Oh, or that's whatever. awesome. So, um, yeah, um, I'm sorry. You mentioned that. And it was, uh, yeah, it's been a Dungeons and Dragons kind of day. <laughs> that's cool. That that show I think but, uh, had two of the cast members of Eight Is Enough. Eight Is Enough on there. You had Willie Ames, I think, was in there. Um, Adam Rich. Wasn't was the Ralph Malfe? Ralph Malfe was in it. Yeah, Donnie Most. Donnie Most. Yeah, right. And Donnie what, Most. wasn't the kid yeah. from Eight Is Enough? Um, like, oh god, I'm blanking his name. Yeah. Adam he Rich. Was, he was in it too. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, that was the first show that I watched, like the cartoon I watched, where I like recognized, and this is why kind of why I brought it up too. You know, nowadays I have this thing, and maybe I'll talk about. I'll get to that after. But Dungeons and Dragons was the first cartoon I watched where I was like, I recognize those voices. You know, you mm-hmm. you know, you watch the cartoon and you're like, I know those those voices from something else. And they even had a Happy Days cartoon for a while, so it was kind of <laughs> 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 excuse me. So it was interesting to see, you know, you know, Donnie Most Ralph Mouth, you know, being one of the voices on Dungeons and Dragons, you know, as well as the Happy Days cartoon, and then you know, again, Willie Ames and, and Adam Rich. So it was just kind of funny that, you know, it was the first cartoon I remember where I recognized who did the voices, and, and ever since then I've had this thing where I watch a cartoon and I gotta, you know, I, I it's like a game for me to figure out who the celebrity voice is or who the voice is that's doing various characters, either in movies or any kind of animated. Thing at all. The, the the main bad guy, Venger, the force of evil, was our old friend Peter Cullen, who of course is Optimus Prime, and uh, and he also did the intro voice for uh, Voltron, which is another one of my childhood favorites. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Peter uh, Frank Welker, who was uh-huh. Megatron, he was the what was their their little Uni the Unicorn, name. and also Tiamat. He, he also Tiamat. Yes, 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 yes. The, the um, dragon of course. Yeah, the third one, um, and I thought, you know, that, that was, again, one of those cartoons where they always, you know, their goal was to get back home, and they always got, you know, just this close, and then, of course, something happened, and they had to save somebody else instead of getting themselves back home, you know, so it was just, you know, they, they played that out on and on, and, of course, the Dungeon Master would pop up um, at various times, and, you know, nobody knew how to use their powers, and the wizard, you know, couldn't do stuff, so I just, I, I don't know, I just thought it was a cool concept, I, you know, I course a big fan of Dungeons and Dragons so I thought it was just kind of cool how you know each of the characters you know were represented in the yeah. in the show I said it was a shame about the movie the Dungeons and Dragons movie yeah yes yes very much so I think it would have never, been a better concept <laughs> you're you're better off for it okay, yeah man. yeah you, yeah your life is richer the third one I want to bring up and this is one we talked about earlier but just you know the, of, the, of the big ones that stick out for me as a kid is Spider-Man is a man's friend and I was always a huge, huge Spider-Man fan. I loved all the Spider-Man's cartoons from, you know, the 60s cartoon. You know, how could, how could you not love a Spider-Man that could spin a web into the shape of a, of a, of a pontoon boat, you know, where you could literally use a web to start up a <laughs> spider-web motor and skim across the, uh, the swamps. But Spider-Man is one of the friends I love. that for bad science. <laughs> yes, yes, that was canceled for bad use of that. But bringing in Firestar and Iceman I thought was really cool. You know, Iceman being one of the X-Men. And that was back in a time where I watched that show where I really, I wasn't really aware of the X-Men. And I think that cartoon 
kind of brought me into it. I loved the cartoon, and then, you know, that got me into wanting to play the Marvel role-playing game, which is which is really what got me into comics like I am now. Is That's where I bought my first X-Men comic, was, was wanting to, to think of story ideas to play the role-playing game. So, so yeah, going back to the, to the Spider-Man and Amazing Friends, where they had an episode where, you know, Firestar and Iceman were X-Men, and they, they took Spider-Man back to the mansion and got trapped. You know what I'm saying? There was a lot of good had, guest stars from that one. I mean, you had the X-Men, yeah. like you mentioned, Captain America was in one. The, some of the bad guys, you had Chameleon, Hulk was in there for an episode, with the same one with the Red Chameleon, Bubble. I believe. Yeah, there were some really uh, re- really great um, appearances in there. Um, even Iron Man was in there. In fact, yeah, the episode where they we learned how they yeah. got all their equipment was in there, and you had Iron Man was in there. There was a Spider Woman cartoon about the same time. Yeah, too, there was for like one season. It was earlier. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty good too. I, I enjoyed watching that one as well. I don't think she was a scrawl then, though. No, probably uh, not. no, probably not. <laughs> Being be guaranteed, there was a young Brian Michael Bendis watching earnestly. Yeah, even then, <laughs> yep. <laughs> but those were three from uh, from my childhood that were from my early childhood. I mean, this is early '80s. We're talking about. You know, back when when I I didn't scrutinize things as much as I would later, but but yeah, to kind of go with what Ken was saying, Voltron of course was a big one. I loved to watch Voltron, and of course GI Joe and Transformers, especially Transformers after the movie. I don't know if you guys watched Transformers after the movie came out. Oh, the animated uh, feature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually was the opposite. I watched it before, and I didn't watch it much after the after that movie. I think that was right when I was starting to like you know watch less cartoons. Uh, than than more and uh, so yeah I didn't watch much after it. You're gonna laugh, but I didn't really watch any Transformers cartoons until Beast Wars. I never really liked Beast Wars really. I, it just didn't do anything for me. Um, maybe it was the uh, the CG style to it. You know, I just I just prefer like the the hand drawn stuff. You know, and to this day I still do. I mean, a lot of the CG stuff that's out there. Granted, there's nothing that's not done without computers anymore. But still, the, the, just some of that. Uh, it just didn't do it for me. It didn't feel right to me. I, I heard it was very good. I mean, I'm not going to take that away from it, but it just wasn't for me. I just, uh, along the lines of the, the three the three franchises you'd like to see brought back, I want to see I want to see the Tick brought back. The, those are some of my favorite cartoons of all time. I mean, they're just very very funny, and especially if you're a comic book fan, you know, to watch the Tick and just see you know Deflator Mouse and uh, American Made, and I don't know, just American very Made. smart. I, I love the episode with uh, where. Uh, Tickets abducted by aliens, and um, they're chased by this thing called the Infinity Ball, and it's basically just an eight ball turned on its side. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it comes up to the tick, the tick just taps it, and it falls. He goes, You know, back on Earth, we knock these into holes with sticks. <laughs> and then the alien looks up and goes, Wow, you guys really are tough. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, my kids say, still say, Bad move, Neil. When the dinosaur Neil, wasn't it? Wasn't it? That one of the characters dinosaur Neil, that movie. Just uh, being a fan of uh, like the the Marvel C lister villains and the DC like C lister villains and and superheroes. You know, like I I really I'm enjoying like Secret Six and um, that uh, Modox Eleven supervillain team up and stuff like that. And uh, to see these. Uh, these you know, superheroes in the tick, it just always like reminded me of, you know, like Stiltman or you know, the porcupine or some of the things that Stanley thought of on his off days. Yeah. 
So uh, next week we're going to be wrapping up our, uh, our Green Lantern discussion. Isn't that right, Ken? That is the, uh, is the plan. Uh, we will be recording before Blackest Night number one ships, but it will be aired after. So uh, it will be interesting to see uh, what, we come, what we get out of that. Uh, so we're going to be though? going over the uh, Rage of the Red Lanterns and the, uh, the Agent Orange. Orange recently wrapped up and uh, some of the, uh, the stuff going on in Green Lantern Corps. We're going to talk about the War of Light, what's been coming up between Sinister Corps War and Blackest Night. And you can be pretty sure not long after Blackest Night number one comes out, we will hit that up on an audio blag, kind of like we did this weekend with um, Star Wars Invasion and Captain America Reborn. You can go check those out um, on our website, legionofdudes.com, right now. That's pretty awesome. Also, I'm sure uh, we'll probably be doing, uh, I would imagine we'll probably be doing an audio blog for uh, Green Lantern First Flight uh, when it comes out later this month. I would not be surprised at all if we, if we touch on that. I think there. Yeah, I think most of us are excited about that. I don't think any of us speaking, are speaking of all things Green Lantern, I'd like to uh, shout out our friends over on the Lantern Cast for uh, pimping us on their last uh, their last show. They gave us a nice little mention there, and also mentioned our uh, Green Lantern series. So thanks a lot, guys. We appreciate that. Very cool. So s- stick around for the Legion of Dudes. Uh, uh, next week, uh, hope you enjoy our little cartoon discussion uh, this week. Next week, we'll be doing uh, the Green Lantern. We'll be finishing our Green Lantern Maxi series. And don't forget, on August 2nd, LOD 50, our 50th episode, win valuable prizes by asking the dudes questions, either on the forums uh, at thecomicforums.com, on our voicemail, or uh, live during the show, August 2nd, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, on Stick'em in our sticker room. Mm-hmm. And of course you can find that at live.legionofdudes.com. Thank you gentlemen for the lively discussion. Always uh, always a pleasure to talk to you as uh, such intelligent gentlemen as yourself. And uh, we'll see you next week here. Uh, join, join us at uh, www.hhwlod.com which is our website legionofdudes.com and our share with our brother uh, podcast halfhourwasted.com which you should also be listening to because Brad and Frank work very hard on what they do. So uh, I think that wraps it up for here on Legion of Dudes on a cartoon discussion. Gentlemen, thank you very much and uh, good night. Good night. That man won't quit as long as he can still draw a breath. None of my teammates will. Me? I've got a different problem. I feel like I live in a world made of cardboard. Always taking constant care not to break something, to break someone. Never allowing myself to lose control, even for a moment, or someone could die. But you can take it, can't you, big man? What we have here is a rare opportunity for me to cut loose and show you just how powerful I really am. 